Let us pray. O God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations and prayers of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. George Frederick Handel knew what he was doing when he began his famous Messiah with this aria. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. That it was with those words that he chose to begin his telling of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because those words from the prophet Isaiah, from our first reading, signal a major turning point, not only in Hebrew prophecy, but also in the history of Israel in its relationship with God. So you probably all know the book of Isaiah is normally divided into two or maybe three parts. So the first part of Isaiah ends right at the end of chapter 39, right before this beginning in verse 40, in the chapter 40. And it ends on a very dark note with the prediction that because of the sins of the people, Jerusalem is going to be destroyed and its goods and people carried off to Babylon and exile. This end of the first part of Isaiah seems to have been written around 700 BCE. And after that, there were various incursions and invasions and threats to Judah and Israel, which culminated in the very thing the prophet had predicted, that Jerusalem was destroyed, the temple was burned, thousands were slaughtered, and most of the rest were carried off into exile in Babylon. And then, in the book of Isaiah, after all that happens, there's a long, long pause. There's a long, long silence when it seems as though God has gone away completely while all these calamities are taking place. A long silence. And then, finally, 160 years after the end of that first part of Isaiah, approximately 160 years, there's that voice that breaks the silence. A voice speaking into this abyss of the despair and exile of the people. A voice that speaks out from heaven and says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. God is talking to other people in the heavenly council, and he's telling them, go and speak tenderly to Jerusalem and tell her she's paid enough for her sins, in fact, double for her sins, that she's suffered enough that it's time for the exiles to come home. These words are a turning point in Hebrew prophecy, partly because they're the first time that a prophet has spoken words of hope and salvation that were actually the words of a true prophet. So in the time of Jeremiah, you had various prophets like Hananiah and others saying, peace, peace, when there was no peace and telling everyone everything was gonna be fine. But Jeremiah knew, and it proved to be true, that those were all false prophets. They were speaking false comfort. They were speaking false words. But now with these words, comfort, comfort my people, we finally have true words, true words from a true prophet who talks about real hope and real comfort and real salvation and a real call to come home straight from the mouth of God in heaven. And this, so this is a turning point in Hebrew prophecy, these beginnings of these oracles of hope and salvation, but also a turning point in the history of Israel with God. 
because this exile in Babylon challenged the faith of the people as probably nothing else in their whole history had done up until that time. Because the destruction of the city of Jerusalem was the destruction of the city where God had said that God was going to dwell. And the raising of the temple was the raising of the house where God had said that God would live. And the destruction of the people was the destruction of the people that God had called God's own people. So what did that mean? It seemed to call into question everything about God whether God was good, whether God was powerful, whether God had abandoned them, whether other gods that surrounded them on every side were maybe more real than Yahweh. And so these words, comfort, comfort my people, were the return of everything they thought they had lost. The assurance of God's presence, the promise of God's power, the embrace of God's love. And with God's voice, with this declaration of God's presence, comes the fulfillment that they had longed for, that at last they can go home. Home to Zion, that place that they'd never really forgotten, for which they had wept while they sat by the waters of Babylon, and they said, we'll never, never forget you, and they never had. And now God is saying, okay, it's time, you can come home. And God is going to make a royal highway for their return and, and lower the mountains and lift up the valleys and make the rough places smooth so that they can walk on this royal highway to go home. And all the nations will see the salvation of God. God's glory will be shown to everyone as God's own people get to go home. The power of God is on full display. There's no place in the Bible where the power of God is more emphasized than in the second part of Isaiah. I am the Lord. There is no other aside from me, is what it says in Second Isaiah. And that power is displayed in the people being called out of exile to come home. But in addition to that power, there's love, there's compassion in that beautiful word comfort, but also in the image that ends the reading where it says that God is going to gather the sheep and carry them like a shepherd and hold the lambs in God's bosom. A beautiful image that's picked up in our reading from Matthew about the one who goes out and seeks the lost sheep. Advent, this season, is a time in which in darkness and in waiting, we can feel our own exile, how far we are from God, from each other, from ourselves, from this earth, God's creation, which we're wantonly destroying. We can feel this ache of homesickness because we've never really forgotten. Even in exile, even by the waters of Babylon, we've never really forgotten our true home. We're not supposed to live so far from home. We're not supposed to live in exile. And Advent, then, is a time when we can allow this longing to become acute and then to feel out of the darkness this stirring of hope and to hear that voice, the most beloved voice of all, that says, comfort, comfort, I am here. I have come to bring you home. I am coming once again to dwell with you, to be God with you, and to carry you in my bosom. Many years ago, several refugee crises ago, I remember hearing a woman on the radio in the, in the middle of the war in Bosnia, which was about 10 years ago, I guess, 15 years ago, 
She'd been forced into exile from her homeland, and she was with her children. And an interviewer asked her, how do you make a home for them as a homeless refugee? And she said, I carry with me a tablecloth that I love, that I got from my mother, one of the few possessions I was able to take with me when I had to leave my home. And I spread it out at dinner time, and that's home. That is our home. I think of the Eucharist in that way, that that's where God spreads a table, even in the wilderness, even for us who are wayfarers and pilgrims and far from home, that God sets a table, lays out the cloth, and says, come home. Here is home, here and now, even for pilgrims and wayfarers, you can come to this table, you can know that I am here, you can know that I am carrying you and inviting you to come home. <laughs>